Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. Hey, welcome back to Training for Manhood. This is Dan Panetti. Merry Christmas. Hey, today is Christmas Day. Uh, 2023. Uh, what a wonderful day. Uh, incredible time of the year. Uh, my favorite time of the year, my favorite day. Christmas Day is so awesome. Um, I love Christmas and I'm glad uh, that you decided uh, to listen to this podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Christmas and how important it is. I was watching um, the Chronicles of Narnia the other day. Uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Great book series, by the way, by C.S. Lewis. If you've never read it, um, no matter how old you are, it's perfect for you. So if you're young, it's great, incredible imagination. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, writes this uh, just spectacular book series, um, uh, and it's just it's incredible. You, you've got to read it. And if you're old, I don't care if you're 80 or 90 years old, if you've never read the Chronicles of Narnia, um, pick it up and read it. You'll love it. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is one of them in the series. And it's amazing because one of the things that Lewis describes in this is, uh, is this concept of um, in Narnia, uh, they're under the rule of the white witch. And so things are bad. Things are cold. Things are dark. Things are depressing. Um, and, uh, and it's just, it's a bad place to be. And the line is, it's always winter, but never Christmas. And so just that, um, they want you to grasp that idea, right? That in the cold, dark, despair of the world, uh, Christmas is that, uh, that light, that hope, that glimmer um, of something good to happen. Um, and that's what Lewis writes in, in uh, the, the line, The Witch in the Wardrobe. And that's the reality of, of what Christmas is, right? The day that God became a man, right? Came in uh, in the form of a baby born into humanity uh, so that he could live the perfect life, die the death that you and I deserve so that we can live the life that he has for us. So incredible day uh, and such a, a great, great moment. Um, and so we're celebrating Christmas, just, um, you know, celebrated Christmas Eve with the family at church the other day. I love the Christmas music. Um, if I have a second, I'll, I'll, I'll walk through one of my favorite um, of the Christmas songs. Um, but I just wanted to spend some time and just kind of focus, uh, refocus your mind on the importance of Christmas and, uh, and just get you ready, uh, not only to enjoy this particular season, but really to, uh, to understand uh, its significance and its importance. So um, just want to say thank you for listening. Um, if you've been listening for a while, right, we're kind of finishing up another uh, year of uh, training for manhood, have had some great guests on, um, covered a lot of really awesome issues. Uh, hopefully you found this podcast, um, this training to be helpful. Hopefully you've shared it with somebody. Um, and don't forget, we're a 501c3. And if you want to support our ministry, um, that money is going to go towards the production um, of some printed materials that I'm working on now, some books some short books um, that are going to walk through um, some different things that, uh, that I've put together on uh, the development of moving from adolescence to adulthood, right? Becoming, going from being a boy to being a man. What does that look like? How, do, how, does, how does scripture help us understand what that looks like? Uh, and so important. So, but I want to go back to Christmas um, because another movie that we watched recently was The Hunger Games. Uh, and if you've seen that particular series, right, it's a dystopian society set in the future. 
Uh, it's a bad place to be. Uh, and there's a President Snow in the, uh, in the original Hunger Games that came out uh, who's just a, a bad leader. He's an awful, evil man. Uh, they have these games called the Hunger Games uh, where they remind the different districts about the rebellion um, and that, you know, um, the capital is in charge. And so um, these districts all have to send somebody uh, to the games and they all die except for one, you know, victor. And um, anyway, the, the, the interesting thing is that the new one that just came out of the Hunger Games is a, a prequel to that. And it goes back and it looks at this President Snow, who you're supposed to hate um, when you get into the um, movies. Um, but one of the questions they wanted to ask is, how did President Snow go bad? Right? What happened to him? Um, how did a good person end up to become such an evil uh, human being? And the reality is it's kind of an interesting thing. But that's not a question that really has a good answer. Um, because that's not the question we need to be asking. It's not as a how does a good person go bad, it's how does a bad person become good. I think about this, right? when I was young, my parents never taught me how to lie, cheat, and steal. Um, those are things that I learned on my own. Those are things that were part of my bent nature um, because of the fall, because of sin. Humanity is born in sin. Uh, and so my parents, and the same thing I had to do with, you know, with our four kids, was teach them how to be good, right? How to move against that particular nature. Um, and that's the thing that Christ came to do was to free us from sin. Uh, and I, I just want to like, just focus on that concept, right? That, um, you know, I'm not sure what you believe as far as your spiritual beliefs and in, in terms of your journey, if you believe in, you know, God and, and um, sin. Um, but I want to just tell you that scripture, right? If you read um, the Bible, God does an amazing job of uh, laying out this idea, right, that when God created uh, humanity, right, he created it good, uh, put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and they sinned. They chose to rebel against God. Um, but immediately, in Genesis chapter 3, immediately God reveals his plan for how to restore humanity back to being good, to being um, back to being uh, into a right relationship with him. And in chapter three of Genesis, it says this, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And he's talking to Satan there. He's talking to the enemy uh, of humanity. Uh, and he b specifically says, right, that there will be an offspring right, of her offspring, right? And it's kind of an interesting phrase, but if you think about it, right, women don't necessarily have, right, offspring. They don't have seed. Men have seed. Women don't. So this is a very interesting phrase because a woman is going to have an offspring, right? So if you think about it, this is scripture basically telling you that a woman is going to give birth without a man, right? That would make her a virgin. Uh, there's going to be a virgin birth sometime in history. And then it says he. So we're looking for um, a man born into humanity who claims to be of a virgin birth. So just go throughout all humanity. <laughs> Has there ever been a human that was ever born, right, that claimed to have, right, a virgin birth? And I think that's an interesting thing because that's what God is saying is, is if you're looking for God's plan of redemption, God's plan of restoration, right, he's going to give us um, a lot of different prophecies, a lot of different things throughout Scripture uh, that we can look for and see, hey, um, there's going to be a person who's going to come here and he's going to restore humanity back to the way that God created it. And those things that we're going to look for, right? So we're looking for a man who's born of a virgin, right? Um, the book of Isaiah has a lot of great uh, chapters dealing with prophecies. And um, there's some pretty amazing ones. Um, uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 7, chapter 9, chapter 53, if you want to go through and just kind of look at those different things. Right? Uh, chapter 7 in Isaiah 
um, uh, says, um, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, right? So what are we looking for, right? And he says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, right? God with us is what that means. And so you're looking for, right, a virgin birth. Chapter nine talks about for unto us, a child is born, right? And kind of, you've just come out a Christmas time, right? And you, these are all the languages that you see and all the different things. It says for unto us, a child is born, uh, to us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace and of the increase of his government and, uh, and of peace, there shall be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forward and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. All right. So kind of some, uh, you know, interesting things, obviously chapter 53 um, of Isaiah talks about how he's going to come as the uh, suffering servant, right? He's going to lay down his life for us. Chapter 53, verse two talks about for he uh, grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a slam that is le- like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like sheep that before us, before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth by oppression and judgment. He was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence. And there was no deceit in his mouth. And if you just think about that phrase, right, those words that you just heard, um, what person throughout humanity um, has been um, sacrificed, right, like a lamb led to slaughter um, on behalf of somebody else who that person did no wrong, but he laid down his life for others. And obviously, right, everything is pointing to, right, the person of Jesus. Uh, Micah 5.2 talks about how this person is going to be born in Bethlehem. Right, so all these different things, right, point to um, the person of Jesus uh, throughout human history, right, that he is the person who fulfills those. And so when you get to the New Testament, um, you know, obviously those are the people who walked with um, this individual named Jesus, um, born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth. Um, It's kind of interesting because Matthew comes along, and and out of the four Gospels, two of them have a genealogy, um, a a lineage, right, of the the birth of Jesus, because it's a very important thing uh, that if you're looking for a Messiah, right, that there's a number of different um, mile markers, a bunch of different signs that point to him so you can't miss. I mentioned a couple of these prophecies. Um, A couple others are, right, that he's going to come from the line of David and the line of Abraham. And so Matthew, as he walks through this, uh, Matthew chapter one, it's the first thing he starts with, one, one, right? He says, the book of the genealogy um, of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. And then he walks through and he just says, right? Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. 
and Perah is the father of uh, Hezron, and he goes on, right, all the way down to, um, you know, Joseph, right, being the father, right, it says, you know, at the end, right, Joseph, the husband of Mary, uh, from whom Jesus was born, who's called the Christ, and so you've got the lineage of Joseph, later you've got the lineage of Mary, right, both of them um, go back through, and so Jesus's lineage um, follows the um, the prophecies laid out in the Old Testament so that they all point to him. Now, I just want to kind of throw one thing in here because I'm kind of a nerd for things like this, right? Uh, my attorney background um, looks for things that um, maybe a lot of other people don't see or, or you know, I find fascinating. Um, but in the lineage, and I read this uh, earlier, it says um, up in Matthew 1.1, um, or this is, you know, one, three, it says Judah, right? So we know Jacob is the father of Judah, Judah, um, you know, Jacob is going to have his name changed to Israel, Judah, right? Uh, we know Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah, right? So Judah is going to be the fourth son of Jacob and the line is going to go through Judah. But it's a fascinating thing because um, we've got a number of individuals through here. Some of them are twins, right? Jacob and Esau are twins, but only Jacob is mentioned because the line goes through Jacob. The line doesn't go through Esau. So, you wouldn't in a lineage mention somebody who's the line, who the line doesn't go through. In fact, it says Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, right? So we don't need to mention um, Judah's 11 brothers because the line goes through Judah. But here's kind of an interesting thing. And if you want to look this up, kind of a fascinating thing, it says, and Judah, the father of Perez and Zarar, Zarar um, by Tamar, right? So um, Perez and Zarar are twins, but both are mentioned in the line of Jesus. And I always thought that was kind of an interesting thing, right? Why would you mention both of the twins? Um, and to find that out, you actually have to go back to um, where they're born, right? And it's kind of an interesting story. It's back in uh, Genesis uh, chapter 38. Uh, and you've got Judah, right? Judah's, you know, married, has kids. Um, and his oldest son marries um, a woman named Tamar. Um, and he's a wicked uh, man. He's a wicked son and he dies. And so here's Tamar. And in this particular culture, right, if you're a woman without a husband, you're in a bad place, right? And so um, she goes to Judah and says, hey, um, you know, what, what are you going to do? How are you going to provide for me? And uh, Judah says, hey, I've got another son. Um, you know, I'll let you marry him, right? And, and um, if any of the children are born to Tamar, right? They're actually attributed to that older son who died. And so that second son doesn't want to have his lineage go through them. And so um, he basically, he refuses to have children with Tamar. Um, and so God says, hey, he's wicked. And so he dies. So here's Tamar, right? She's, you know, single woman now goes back to Judah, says, hey, help me out. And he goes, hey, listen, I got a, I got a third son. And, and if, if you're still with me, you know, you're paying attention, right? We're, we're getting to a point and it's really fascinating. So stick with me. Um, but, he, but, you know, t Judah says, hey, listen, I got, a, I got a third son. He's really young. So if you'll wait for him to grow up, um, I'll give you him in marriage. And so, you know, Tamar says, okay. And so she waits and she waits and she waits. And, you know, the boy gets older and uh, Judah never takes care of her. And so at one particular point, if you go back to Genesis 38 and you read it, it's fascinating. It's one of the most interesting chapters, I think, in Scripture. Anyway, um, Judah's out, um, you know, with the boys and, and, and uh, Tamar dresses up um, as a prostitute and she goes out and she lures um, Judah into the tent and they have sex. Um, and um, Tamar basically asks for something in terms of payment. And, you know, you know, Judah does the old I forgot my wallet at home thing. 
Um, and so uh, she says, hey, give, give me something as, as a sign and a seal that you're going to send payment later. Uh, and so he gives her, you know, his signet ring and something else or whatever. And they're like, okay. And so she leaves, he leaves. Um, later, they go to find her and she's gone, um, you know, to, to make the payment. Well, a couple months later, Tamar, who does not have a husband, um, is found to be pregnant. And so in that culture, obviously, you know, sex outside of wedlock is, is frowned upon, is, is you know, uh, against the law of God. And so um, they're going to kill her. And so they take this information to Judah and they say, hey, Tamar, your daughter-in-law is pregnant. And Judah goes, hey, like we need, we need to, you know, impart judgment here. Uh, and so they bring Tamar in. She goes, well, here's the deal. Before you kill me, um, you need to speak to the person who got me pregnant. And so obviously Judah's like, all right, well, you know, who is it? And she brings out his signet ring and Judah's like, oh my goodness, like he knows he's the father, right, of those kids. And so she doesn't get punished, obviously, because Judah's the one who needs to be punished for that. Um, But it is kind of interesting thing what happens. It says uh, in 27 says, um, when the time for her labor came, there were twins in her womb. And when she was in labor, one put out his hand and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread on his hand saying, this is the one who came out first, right? So firstborn is a super important thing. So they want to signify that. Uh, But it says, but as he drew his hand back in, behold, his brother came out and she said, what a breach you have made for yourself. Therefore, his name is called Perez. It means a breach. It means to burst forth, right? So the, the second one, right, who's the first one out, he's the second one to breach, to, to have, you know, in a sense, he, the, he's referred to as the second born. Um, but his name is Paris because he's kind of the unexpected one who, who comes forth. And then it says, um, afterward, his brother came out with a scarlet thread on his hand and his name was called Zerah, which means the glowing or dawn. And can I just tell you, here's what's fascinating. Um, you know, Christmas is about the birth of Jesus, right? And so uh, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. But Perez is kind of a symbol of the birth of Jesus because Jesus is that bursting forth, that one who's unexpected, who comes out of nowhere, right? Literally Bethlehem, a tiny little city, a dump, Nazareth, does anything good come out of Nazareth, right? And so Jesus bursts forth on the scene and he comes like Perez, which is fascinating, right? Because that's whose line he's from. But then why is Zerah mentioned in his lineage? And here's what I think. Right? I think it's because Jesus doesn't just come once, he's coming twice. He came once as the suffering servant in the symbol of Perez, the bursting forth. But the second time he's coming, he's coming with the symbol of Zerah. He's coming with the symbol of the scarlet thread on his body. Right, And if you want to think, well, where, where does it say that? Well, that's actually in Revelation 19, where it talks about the second coming of Jesus. And this is what it says in Revelation chapter 19 says, then I saw the heaven open and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is named faithful and true. And verse 13 says, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And so this is a reference to the Messiah, the second coming of the Messiah, Jesus. And what is he going to be wearing when he comes? He's going to be wearing scarlet ribbon, right? He's going to be wearing a robe dipped in blood. So kind of an interesting um, concept, right? A beautiful story um, about the birth of Jesus, um, about the importance of Christmas, right? The first coming of Jesus. Um, And just, you know, as you're celebrating Christmas, I want you to think about it. I want you to um, understand how important it is. Um, I think about, you know, we have a beautiful um, Christmas tree, 
um, that is, uh, you know, in our uh, living room and all the gifts are underneath it. But if you look at the Christmas tree, if you just sit and pay attention to the Christmas tree, right, it, it really is a, a symbol, right? It's, it's an arrow that's pointing upwards, right, to heaven. And, uh, and most people, what do they have on top of uh, the Christmas tree? Most people have a star. And that star is a symbol of the coming of Jesus. Um, and if you think about it, right, it's like, where, where does it talk about that in Scripture? Well, that's in Numbers uh, chapter 24. There's a man named Balaam. Uh, if you remember your Scripture, Balaam is the one who had his donkey talk to him, right? Kind of an interest, interesting character. Um, but da- Balaam's going to give uh, a number of oracles, a number of statements, right? And in his final, final oracle, he says this. He says, um, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Uh, And that was Balaam's oracle dealing with the idea that the star will be a symbol of the Savior from the line of Jacob, who will have the scepter, the rule of Israel in his hand. Who will that be? Who will be referred to from the line of Jacob as the king of Israel? And that's going to be Jesus. And so just a, a, a wonderful story, beautiful picture. Um, you know, for those of you um, who may not really grasp the meaning of Christmas and you kind of get lost in um, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the commercialism, um, take a while just to, just to think about it. Um, I, I said, uh, you know, one of the songs that I I love during the Christmas season is Oh Holy Night. Um, and this would be, um, you know, last night we celebrated Christmas Eve and we went to our Christmas Eve service and we sang Oh Holy Night. And, and think about these words. It says, Oh Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth, right? So what is that birth supposed to be? Why is it important? Well, the song goes on to say, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Right, so the world is in darkness. It's in sin. It's, it's, uh, it's winter, but never Christmas. Right, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Right, so when the Savior is born, now humanity has an opportunity. Right, it has it has light. It has hope. Uh, and then the song goes on and says, "A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn." Um, and I love that because the new and glorious morn goes back to refer to, right, Zerah, uh, because that's what it means, a glorious morn. Uh, when Jesus comes, there is new hope for humanity, all right? And that hope isn't just for this life, but it's for the eternal life that is yet to come. When Jesus returns and takes those who are his, right, to reign with him forever uh, in heaven. And so Christmas isn't just about a particular night. Um, It is about eternity. Um, And you have eternity uh, written in your heart, uh, on your spirit, on your soul. Uh, Your deepest longing is to know God and to make him known. Uh, And I think, you know, the concept is, is for some of you, um, you aren't there yet. You have not made that decision where you understand that you're um, a sinner in need of a savior. And and that's a reality that you need to own. Um, And your savior has been born. His name is Jesus. And he is longing to have a relationship with you. Some of you know that, um, but you've in a sense, forgotten it. And you've um, bought into the world system and you've lived uh, to try to promote yourself as to promoting the great gift uh, that God has given you. You focused on the gifts 
um, of this world, right? You've focused on Christmas is about the gifts under the tree and not the gift of the tree, the one who hung on it for you. Uh, and I just want to remind you of that. And so um, grasp that concept um, this Christmas, um, kind of have a, a refocusing and a reshaping. Um, my next podcast will kind of be about my plans for the new year where uh, I sit down and think about, you know, what has God got for me in the new year, for my family, for my job, um, for my life. Um, pick a word um, that kind of marks the new year for, you know, 2024 and as we move into it. But I just didn't want to uh, miss this opportunity to really focus on Christmas, the meaning of Christmas, uh, and to remind you and myself about how important this particular uh, event in human history, the event that really divides um, all of human history in the timeline, right? AD and BC is divided by uh, the birth, the life, the death um, of this one man in human history named Jesus. He is the Christ. He came so that you and I can have life. And I hope that you can enjoy that and celebrate that um, and accept that reality and then be able to share that with others. So for those of you who want to know what it means to be um, a man, we learn that from the greatest man who ever walked the face of the earth, and that is the God-man, Jesus. Uh, hope you have a great Christmas, and uh, look forward to a fantastic 2024 with you uh, as we share more of these podcasts together. Um, but just uh, enjoy uh, Christmas with your family. Enjoy Christmas with those you love, uh, and especially Take a minute and just focus on the meaning of Christmas and let that sink in deeply into your heart. All right. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training, the number four, manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.